gentlemen and all genders outside and in between, welcome back to Thirsty Work, the sex education podcast with a bit of a difference. Tonight we're going to be specifically talking about those genders outside and in between with Sir Goldie. Ooh, that's Thirsty Work. Without any further ado, without any further ado, allow me to bring in the beautiful Sir Goldie. Hello, you beautiful. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very, very well indeed. Very well indeed. I'm, I'm glad that the, uh, you were telling me it was nice and hot where you are at the moment. It's and beautiful. To be fair, it's, it's, it's quite beautiful here as well. I'm, I'm surprised. I was expecting it to be much chillier for much longer, you know. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, I've brought you on, you beautiful individual, because um, we've known each other for a long old time now. We have. Um, pleasure. Need- I don't even know how long it's been. It's been a long time. It's been like you've just sort of appeared in my life. You're one of those people that just, I, I just feel like I've always known and you've always been in my life. And I can't even think about where we originally came across each other or anything like that. So I completely agree. It's, it's just been one of them things. It's one of those things. But um, I have also known you for a, a great period of your discovery of of your uh, your gender and um part of that journey and it's been uh, it's been amazing to watch and amazing to see you really become yourself so i really wanted to get you on we've had uh, non-binary individuals on the podcast before but i feel like i'm comfortable enough with you and on i'd like to think you're comfortable enough with me to talk about your journey with discovering your gender and um like the the all of the ups and downs that have come with that for sure yes is probably the way that i'm gonna describe it so what point did you like was there a specific point where you were like do you know what this isn't right or was it like an always a a feeling of unease like talk me through like what the situation was well how, how did you go about your journey of discovery and where did it start how did it begin hmm I would love to say that there was a point where I went, you know, this is wrong, everything's wrong, and I know exactly what I need to do to, you know, move forward. Mm -hmm. But it really wasn't. It was kind of this general feeling of unease that just sort of plagued me throughout most of my life. And I could never really put my finger on it. It was this feeling of being unfamiliar and uncomfortable in my own body of, you know, not feeling right, super feminine, not feeling, definitely not feeling right, you know, masculine as a kid. It's, it scared me. Mm -hmm. Um, The thought of like expressing myself as, as a masculine individual, which will come up a little bit later, but um what did make me comfortable was in my childhood, I was, in my teenage years, I was a competitive skier. All right, and great. we would wear these like compressive suits that like just kind of flattened everything down, made you very aerodynamic and with like a helmet and a neck thing that was covering my face, I felt very androgynous, which I realize now at the time I was just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm hot shit, you know? Mm-hmm. But now I realized that that was, you know, kind of a form fitting garment that shaped me more into the person I wanted to see myself as. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was this thing that just kind of sat with me for years 
And when I was like, I think 17 years old, I came out to someone as trans because all of a sudden the most comfortable thing for me, you know, previously as a child, the thought of being identified as male scared me. Okay. And then as I was 17, all of a sudden that became very appealing, but not quite right. (laughs) And so I kind of started to immerse myself in, in culture and, but was feeling it wasn't quite right. I was so happy for everyone getting top surgery for going on tea, but it always felt like things that were just kind of outside of my reach and, and outside of yeah, what just, was for Yeah, just me. for people listening, tea is, is testosterone, isn't it? That was the, yes. the medication, like uh, to testosterone to to accentuate the masculine parts of, of biology, shall we say, um, because not everybody on tea is, um, on testosterone is trans mask a trans man um some are non-binary some are even um actual like women and like cisgendered women or trans women and there's reason for them to be on testosterone there's a variety of different biological and medical reasons for that but just just so that we're, we're clear about the fact that just because somebody has testosterone or is on some kind of testosterone medication does not make them trans it does not mean they're about non-binary but it is a big part and parcel of um, a lot of people's trans journeys, should we say. You're absolutely right. And thank you very much for making that distinction as well, because that's really important to know as well. Um, and so that kind of led to me, you know, deepening my vocabulary and my knowledge on queer culture and all of this kind of thing. And it, you know, it's hard to really bring it down into a few sentences but it moved quite fast from the period of me being like 17 18 19 where i went from being i think i might be trans to um oh shit what's this word gender fluid and gender fluid seemed to fit the bill a little bit more but again things didn't feel quite right and i was kind of shifting in between things that felt kind of right, kind of not right. Mm -hmm. I was going from um, he, him pronouns and she, her pronouns, depending on the day. Um, It was a very tumultuous time for my gender identity. (laughs) Yeah, what was was your understanding? I suppose, like, was it just your discovery of the idea of being gender fluid and, and what was your understanding of gender fluid at that time? At that time, my understanding was simply that you can have um, two ends of a spectrum, whether that's masculine and feminine, whether that's the binary of male and female, whether that's... I I did have a pretty nuanced understanding of that being like two kind of sides of binary and everything outside and in between, or not necessarily outside, but everything in between Mm -hmm. flowing in between those two states. Um, And for me, I just was like, I feel a little bit male, a little bit female. As far as my understanding of the gender binary was, I mean, very much developing. (laughs) Yeah, that that is a very important thing, because it's 
I, I have also grown up understanding the gender binaries. Like, I, it was there was man and there was woman, there was boy and there was girl. Um, but it's now in my life that I'm discovering that that's very much a Victorian Britain or, or very British view of the genders. And if you actually go into other cultures, especially native cultures um, that were colonized by Britain, um, there's a lot of genders. There's a, there's a lot of the the first people of Americas that uh, I've I've heard of certain um, people that that recognise six genders, and the people in in um, oh, I can never remember the name of them. But there's a there's a people in India where they are recognised as a, a third gender on top of the the male and the female, and they used to be worshipped. And of course, Victorian Britain with our colonisation absolutely quashed all that because how mm -hmm. dare anyone be different to the way that we are but it, it's I, I think this is the reason why i found gender even though i'm i'm feel very comfortable in my own body and, and being a cis man i find the concept of gender and the, the exploration of gender so fascinating because it's mm. something that i was never brought up to explore and mm. i think it's one of those things that I, I find it amazing now to, to, especially having been friends with you for so long and, and seeing your exploration and see you become a more confident person in and of yourself, that it's it's so enlightening and, and, and amazing to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, first of all, I very much appreciate you saying that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I was the same, right? Like growing up, I wasn't exposed to genders outside of male and female until I started to kind of dive in deeper when I first initially thought I might be trans. Mm -hmm. And so it was it was like this whole cornucopia of gender opened up in front of me and I was overwhelmed with options and choices and you can be this and you can be that and you can be this and that and it was it was beautiful in a way because all of a sudden i had all of these terms and ways of describing myself that i i never dreamed could feel like home and i know that labels have you know a lot of people have a love hate relationship with labels and my journey with gender has been quite label centric mm -hmm. so that's why you know you'll see me kind of denote the chapters of journey of my my journey um by when i thought i was transgender when i thought i was gender fluid and then following that when i thought fuck it i'll never figure it out i'll just be a queer woman and because for me a label wasn't just about, okay, these are like the um, requirements that I have to fill in order to be a valid person that's recognized by society. It was like, this is a community of people. These are the people with whom I can feel at home. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's, it felt like, it felt similar to choosing a name. It was like, oh, yes, this is how it feels like to refer to myself by something that fits. And 
I truly didn't find that label that fit until, until I was about 23. So we're in the middle of the pandemic and, um, I think it's no mystery to anyone that we all had a lot of time to ourselves. We had a lot of time to think, to reflect, to, you know, stop wearing the makeup that you didn't want to wear, stop dressing the way you didn't want to dress because you weren't around people. And for a lot of people, it was stopping putting on an act. And for me, that act was womanhood. And I actually saw a TikTok when I was when I was 23 that um, said, you do not have to be androgynous enough to be non-binary. And at the time I was still identifying as a queer woman. I was like, I don't know what my gender is and I'll never find the label that fits me. And just seeing that TikTok just made me weep. Just, you know, a 15 second video, if that, just all of a sudden unlocked something in me. Because that's, and just like, broke that's me. so important as well. Like, because there is a preconception that you if you are gender non-binary you should be the perfect middle ground between man and woman you are 50 percent male and 50 percent female and therefore androgyny is your only form and that's wild to me um especially yeah. if you if if we accept the the idea that gender is a concept gender is a, is a made-up concept that we as as human beings have decided to put labels to basically mm -hmm. Um, in order to understand biology, in order to understand different things. Um, and evidently, as previously discussed, a whole load of different cultures have viewed those things differently uh, throughout the entirety of history. Um, but because of the way that we perceive it at the moment, and a lot of people definitely perceive gender non-binary to be uh, a, a new thing. It's a, it's a new thing, and it's, it's not. It's just a new label no. for a thing that's been around all the time. Um, therefore it must be androgyny and that i find absolutely fascinating and and mm -hmm. that was where that was was that the the point which just opened the door like i mean you say you weeped so was that just like a, a realization a, a penny drop moment it really was because you know i had heard the term non-binary and you know things had kind of started to ping but i went oh you know i like my hair long sometimes and like I, you know, my makeup that I do is too feminine. The way that I dress is too feminine. You know, I was like, I don't, I don't hit the, the non-binary check, check boxes. Yeah. And, um, that was just a really solid reminder that you don't have to. And going back to the whole label thing, you don't have to fit a label. It really is just something that's there to make you feel at home and to make you feel like you've found something with which you can identify. Mm. And it's, I lost that 
along the way, I guess, until, until that opened that gate again for me. And things moved really quickly after that. I, um, I realized pretty quickly a couple months afterwards, um, that I couldn't keep it to myself anymore. And I very subtly one day on discord changed my status to the um, non-binary pride flag in hearts and then i came out to all of my friends at once as non-binary and what was their reaction it was overwhelmingly supportive like all of my friends they were <laughs> over the moon for me. They were so, <sighs> like, it makes me emotional to think about the fact that I had and have people in my life that when I tell them something like that, they were just, they were floored a little bit just by the surprise, but they were like, oh my God, this is incredible. Thank you so much for trusting me with this information. Um, we love you. We accept you. There were some questions to answer, of course, but it was just overwhelming support and positivity from, from my friends. That's amazing because it, it has to be said, not everybody gets that. If I'd say it's quite no. rare to, for that no. uh, to be a, a, to, to have that level of security but then is, is that potentially because you've always surrounded yourself with or, or perhaps even because of the fact that you delved so deeply quite early on into the idea of being lgbtqia being part of the 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 queer community um and therefore you were surrounding yourself with people who already understand a certain level of gender diversity and sexuality diversity and even like a, a certain tolerance of of things that even if they don't understand they respect that kind of thing is that yeah yeah i think i think you pretty much hit the nail on the head it was it's a baseline of you don't have to understand this necessarily to the fullest extent or whatever but there does need to be a certain baseline of acceptance and um and, and joy for people living their truest lives. That's amazing. You know? I love that. Being able to take someone to a pride parade and share in that joy of people just celebrating love and truth. Oh, I love that. It's melting yeah. my little heart. That's, 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 <laughs> oh, I love that. That's <laughs> Because it is, I think it's it's definitely, especially for, for some of like the older generation to get their head around because our society, especially like the Western culture of society has been, as previously mentioned, a lot of influence from colonial Britain um, and our understanding of everyone must do what we say because we said it and that's the way it is and we're, we're Britain and therefore the best. Um, and that has influenced so many other cultures, obviously, with all the ones that we've colonized, but it's also influenced 
so much of our own culture and the fact that we've it, it, I, I can't speak for other countries but I can say in, in the UK there's uh, not all but a, a certainly a large proportion of British people who are, are definitely stuck in their ways and they're just like nope don't understand it don't care to and that's as somebody who does surround myself with people like yourself very very open honest they're on all on their own journeys um whether that be a sexuality journey or whether that be a, a gender journey or just whether it just be like a mental health finding out where they fit in the world journey like we've all got this this dynamic of of tolerance and understanding and asking questions and being respectful and the fact that we're not going to understand everything but it doesn't matter whether we understand everything or not. It's not about that. It's about turning around and being like, okay, this is, they understand it. And if I appreciate them, that's what matters. Yeah. Have you, it's the respect. Yeah. And, and that, that is a big thing, especially when people are like, no, I'm, I'm going to use whatever pronouns I want for you. Fuck you. And it's like, well, that's not, this isn't about you sticking to your ways. This is about how much you respect me as a person. And have you mm -hmm. had, much experience with that in regards to like issues with pronouns or issues with people of a of of a narrow-minded disposition shall we say yeah definitely so specifically in my life i had you know someone very close to me who had you know a negative reaction to me coming out um they just really could not understand me or why um, I had to specifically ask them to use my preferred pronouns. And I was met with the kind of, okay, I'll try. Like. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like they're going to try. Just, yeah, just... it was people that kind of make you feel like a burden for existing as you are That's um like i, I mean yeah. our culture is designed to make us feel like a burden regardless never mind having that also put on <laughs> That's us the truth. <laughs> like it, it is like I've, I've talked about it many times in stream but we we do like like the the first thing that people do is apologize for things especially in the the western world but again specifically britain canada i know has an issue with it as well is is the first thing we will do if something's wrong we'll apologize mm -hmm. and it's just like why why are we apologizing because we're immediately taught that whatever's going on where we must be the burden we must be the one in in the wrong and it's one thing for society to bring us up to to feel like that um and I'm sure there's a whole load of social political commentary that we could add in there. But it's another thing for for somebody to feign willing whilst portraying this is going to be a like this is a problem for me to to yeah. do that. Did this this individual and obviously you don't have to say who they were, did they were they with you through a lot of your journey of, of gender discovery or were they, was it like a relatively new thing? They were with me for most of my journey, actually. Um, they knew me from the age of about 15. So okay. 
Yeah, so they were they were there pretty much through all of the very intense highs and lows of of the whole journey. Um and were pretty pretty quiet through a lot of it, let's say. Um like so, so was... how was that? If you if you don't mind me asking, like how was that? Yeah, of course. In regards to cuz like you you've said before, like the the dynamic was you you first initially thought you were trans and then you were like, okay, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm gender fluid, maybe mm -hmm. it's something uh, different in that, maybe it's something, I'm just a queer woman, that's all fine and dandy. Like, how was their reaction to each different step of this? So, for some context, this was an ex-partner of mine. Okay. Um, and so this was very difficult for me. I, and... I also very much empathize that this was difficult for them as well, because it's it's difficult to go into a relationship with one idea of a person and find out that they are completely different. Or, you know, whenever your expectations are, are not met, mm -hmm. it can be challenging for sure. And I don't want it to sound like it was a suck it up, you know, yeah. deal with it no matter what. It, there was always love and patience. Um, for me, it was it was very difficult because they were my primary source of emotional su support and stability because we were together and we were together for so long. Um, they they just kind of they made me feel very alone with it sometimes and i think if i had like it's <laughs> it's a little bit difficult to talk about but i'm that's all right you don't have to talk about anything you don't want to by any yeah. imagination um don't worry i'm talking about these things because I because I want to and I think it's good to um, there were a lot of times where I could have used that emotional support and stability that that I was lacking and perhaps the journey could have been a little bit more painless and smoother had I had a support system to fall back on because for most of my journey I had no queer community behind me because I was scared and unsure and also moving every two years yeah <laughs> um but but yeah I it was really difficult <laughs> to put it simply I can Lonely. imagine it was because like like you say it's even if it's not you turn around you have these you you opened up to your friends and stuff um and they were super supportive which is fantastic but if you're if the one person that you invest your it is your emotional stability or, or your anchor shall we say for mm -hmm. um emotional stability and they're trying their best to to understand it um but not quite getting it and 
not understanding how much because because it's it's an it's a very emotional journey for you yourself to go through it and that that self-discovery of not knowing where you fit then thinking you fit somewhere and then not knowing whether that's quite right and then they they it sounds exhausting to be quite honest with you um yeah and i i feel like it's one of those things. I feel like the the people that love us, and I'm I'm very I'm sure that this person did love you, um, in an, in that time, you know, that they were doing their best. They just didn't get it, and I think that's yeah. really important to say is that just because somebody doesn't get it doesn't mean they're not trying. Um, I think that's the key thing. Yeah, it's interesting and to to hear and and quite heartbreaking as well because it's like what we were saying about like the the pronouns and and disrespect and and stuff like that it's the i'm trying to accept you for who you are and who you want to be but i don't understand the what you're going through so it's hard mm -hmm. for me to to give that kind of thing perhaps maybe yeah I'm, I'm kind of yeah <laughs> rolling with an idea here and um hoping yeah. for the best no i definitely think you're right and oh i've lost my uh lost your video lost my video but we're all right we're okay we're back with we're it all right back with it sorry right. this is a podcast all no good. one can see it. it's fine <laughs> <laughs> they're for our, be our beautiful voices not our faces oh, yes. my goodness sultry tones sultry tones sultry dulcet tones and have but, you like so so have you been like in positions because I, I know that you say you've got a, an amazing supportive community were, were your family the same was that the similar scenario yeah so my family were uh more supportive than i expected um i had i was honestly just scared to come out to them i, I had no idea how they'd react when I first was going through the gender fluid stuff, I made a long video coming out to them and like had a panic attack and deleted it because I was just so unsure about how they'd react. But when I told them, they were just kind of like, yeah, okay. Can we, can we still call you you though? <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> what did they mean by that? They were wondering if you was still um, gender neutral. Oh, right. Okay. I get you. I get you. That's that. You see, that's not where my mind went because I've had conversations with, with uh, people who have had like trans siblings and they're mm. like, I don't know how to feel about it anymore because are they still my sibling regardless of where mm. they were transitioning? And I was like, they're still them. It's just they've realized something new about themselves now. It's not. It doesn't immediately erase all of the history you've had together. It's just that they've realized a very important part of their life now and things are going to change going forward, but it doesn't stop them from being the person that you love, the the, the sibling that you um, cherish or what have you. So when mm. you were like, can we still call you you? I was like, oh my lordy, do, do they think you were going to transform into somebody completely different? What? <laughs> what is Surprise, it? you get a new surprise child. <laughs> surprise child? <laughs> I love this. I love this. <laughs> they, no, they've been great. And um, they've been very supportive and were honestly a little heartbroken when I told them about the, the video that I had deleted. They said, you know, 
I can't believe you, you ever thought you couldn't come to us with that. You know, we want you to always, always feel like you can come to us with the truth about who you are. And um, pronouns are understandably a little bit of a challenge because if you've gone your whole life never having to consider using anything but he and she, it's obviously challenging. Yeah. Especially when, when that person is someone that you've raised for 26 years and well at the time 24 um and uh you've never had to call them anything else but she um which and is that is the difference isn't it? that that's is kind of like the difference between um like the where kind of where the, the boundary of respect lies it's the is this person doing it completely honestly out of out of mistake um because of sheer understanding and them being used to uh, a certain way of doing things or are they doing it out of spite and yeah that's kind yeah that's that's where it is it's like are, are you doing it with malicious intent in which case you're being disrespectful if you're not doing it exactly. with malicious intent then as much as it must be I mean, painful is that the, I know that like I had conversations with Babbling Goat in season one of Thirsty Work and, and we talked about pronouns and it being quite painful to be misgendered. Is it the same for, for you as non-binary? Um, for me personally, it's like a little twinge. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not a crazy amount of pain. Maybe it's a little bit of being used to it because... I present fairly femme, so I get mammed and she's and heard quite an off, quite often. So for me, it's just kind of a little bit of a uh, yeah. <laughs> every now and then, just kind of a oh, because I know people aren't doing it out of malice. I know it's ignorance. So if it was out of malice, there would be genuine pain there or anger but otherwise it's just kind of a oh all right move on oh <laughs> yeah and i think that's the thing do you do you get the because obviously with my explorations of um like gender non-binary and and you've you've been across a variety of different um countries as well and i know that a lot of these different countries have um gendered language in the regards that i like in german the, the like everything has a gender like it's it's a this is a plane it's it's a male it's they oh my god it's d yeah is and das. das das there we go and you've got like the like everything's thing is, is it like that because i'm trying to think of the big thing that i find when trying to talk to people about um being gender non-binary and uh, and other people being gender non-binary and stuff is mm -hmm. them saying they them is a group of people it's not an individual now mm. let would you talk me through how you respond to that because i obviously have a response but it'd be nice to to know how you respond as a non-binary individual i mean Personally, I would say that grammatically it's been used as a singular neutral for hundreds of years 
if not longer, in the English language. Mm -hmm. Like this can be cited in text back hundreds of years. But aside from that, one of the most beautiful parts of human language is its ability to change and grow with the people that use it. Mm -hmm. And languages that don't change and grow, they die. So it's true. We know really, a linguist. <laughs> we do know a linguist. So luckily, most people are aren't so stubborn in the head to to keep things on too long. But um because I mean if they are, some people just don't want to be don't want to be talked to. They just want to be right. They want to make their point and yeah. they want to move on. Yeah, yeah. But for most people, you can just kind of tell them that, hey, languages are growing and changing. The word LOL got added to the dictionary yeah, one lol. year. You know? <laughs> it's in there. I, I saw it. Exactly. I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is part of the actual official English language. And see, see how upset someone gets about that. You know, like languages all around the world are currently working on different um different ways to incorporate the gender non-binary mm -hmm. into their language everyone's at different stages when i was in germany no one was quite at a consensus okay. <laughs> on what to do so everyone kind of had a different application um but it's a beautiful thing to witness it can be frustrating as a non-binary person I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here now. No, no, <laughs> Beyond no. Beyond no. the response to the question. Run with it, by all means. Away I go. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, I think it's genuinely, it can be frustrating as a non-binary person to not have the vocabulary in a language to express who you are. Um, I'm learning Portuguese, for example, and I just kind of have to tell people, I'm non-binary, please refer to me as, um, as masculine in your language because that's what I prefer in gendered languages. Okay. Um, not necessarily for everyone. That's just for me, but with everything else, I just, you get to witness it. You get to see people try things and throw things at the wall and see what sticks and, and see these beautiful and sometimes horrifying constructions of, of sentences that, look horrible but they're evidences of of linguistic evolution and i think it's a really cool way to go through the world with fascination and wonder at how our language is growing yeah rather than this cynicism of oh you can't use a singular they them that doesn't work that's so boring. You know Why what? would you choose to be boring? It, it's also very interesting because, again, talking TikTok, I saw a TikTok mm -hmm. um, and it was literally just this this uh, individual. Um, I'm, I'm not going to assume any genders. I don't know what gender they were, but they literally were sat there in a window and they were like, Do you know what? The other day um, I was in a car park and I found a wallet. So I picked the wallet up and I took it to, I, I opened it up to see who it belonged to um, realized they weren't around. So I took it over to uh, the local shopping center um handed it over um and said that that was where it was then uh, they rang me and they were like do you know what i hear that you've got my wallet 
I said, look, I don't have it anymore, but I handed it over to her person in the thing. And they had this whole story about how they'd found this wallet and how they were returning it to this person and all that stuff. And the whole way through, they used they, them pronouns and everything. Like, and then, like, literally at the end, they just went, and now tell me you have an issue with they, them pronouns. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> like, yeah. this whole story, I was imagining a singular individual. Uh, the, the whole way through, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was definitely a person's wallet. It was definitely a person who rang them. It was definitely a person who came and found them and, and they gave the wallet back and they got it all sorted. It was definitely an individual, but they used they, them pronouns the entire way through. And I was like, that is mind-blowing. I never even considered it before, but that was like that was a real penny drop moment for me to be like, oh, shit, yeah, I'd, I'd never even considered this. Like, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, ah. it's great, right? When you realize just how much the brain does just kind of acknowledge it as as acceptable yeah it's it's absolutely yeah it, it's it's a really interesting one because i think the brain is a is a fascinating obviously the brain's a very very fascinating concept but on top of that it's the more we think about something the di more difficult it becomes i i remember mm -hmm. sat when i was fucking 12 13 like literally sitting and thinking about i think it was like the letter l and how the letter <laughs> L was weird because it sounded weird in the mouth. And the more I thought about it, the more it was weird. The more I moved my tongue, the, the weird shape that it made. Why is it two lines and then just one line? And the more I thought about it, the weirder it became. And I, I feel like that's kind of very similar in, in the, the talking about pronouns and talking about uh, especially, specifically they, them pronouns. It's yeah. that dynamic of the more you think about it because it's the focus and you're consciously thinking about it. You're not subconsciously thinking or subconsciously accepting it it's like I, this is a conscious thought i'm consciously using these pronouns to a conscious and it's weird because it's a conscious thought that i'm using these pronouns and they whereas after a while you kind of don't you, you get you kind of get used to it you know it's just like yeah. Oh, yeah the less you think about it the more easy it becomes you know and um, yeah. now this is obviously a sex education podcast so I know all of the wiggly shoulders um, that nobody can, who's <laughs> listening to the podcast can actually see, but <laughs> it's fine. Implied. Um, the the so how has your journey with gender, both through the mm -hmm. the trans elements, the uh, not the gender fluid elements, the queer woman elements, the um, and and then finally the position you're at, at the moment, the the non-binary side of things. How has that affected your view your approach your experiences with coital engagement coital engagement oh yes well honestly i would say that the two have been intrinsically linked so i did a lot of reflection before coming on the podcast because this has obviously been a huge theme in my life so there mm. was a lot to kind of get down on paper and kind of distill into the distinct points in my life. It was a, a bit of a self-therapy session. And I, I did kind of realize that my, my personal sexual identity and my gender identity went hand in hand in terms of how they developed. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so... When I was identifying as gender fluid, I found myself in a very like hypersexual state, but very undirected, 
I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know how to get it. I was very... I was still very much just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what stuck. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not literally. Because yeah. no I mean, shame, but I'm not into that th in particular. That is fair. You know, it's, it's fair. Like you <laughs> say, no shame. If they, people are into that, that's no fine. Shame. As long as it's all between consenting adults, it doesn't really matter. It's fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So there was that. And then when I started to identify as a queer woman, everything kind of started to settle down a little bit. And not in a really good way. I I had like less fulfilling sex life. I was a lot more passive about what I wanted. I was more passive about getting what I wanted. And I just kind of let things happen. You know? things ebbed and flowed and I kind of went with them. And when things were really good, they were really good. And when they weren't, they weren't. And I was just kind of like, I guess that's life. And I guess that's my life and whatever. Okay. And it was, it wasn't a terribly exciting place to be sexually. Um, Do you think that was definitely. possibly because of the, the acceptance because uh, i know that you said earlier that it was like that you kind of just accepted that the that the label for you was going to be queer woman was was that part and parcel of that or was do you feel like there might have been other aspects to it i think it was the acceptance but when i say acceptance i really mean deference because like a resignation i stopped yeah, resignation. Because okay. hmm. I stopped looking for myself. And I stopped looking for the truth of who I was. Hmm. And I think, you know, it's not necessarily that just like the gender journey and the sexual journey always go hand in hand. But I think taking care of yourself and making sure that your emotional well-being is being taken care of goes hand in hand with your sexual well-being as well. And so the fact that I kind of stopped caring about this very big thing, this huge issue that was causing me a lot of distress, I just kind of chucked it on the back burner and was like, I'm not going to think about that anymore, was very telling for the rest of my life, including my sexuality. And as I moved on to discover the fact that I was non-binary, all of a sudden, it was kind of, it was kind of like a break <laughs> in a lot of ways. How so? It was like, not in terms of having a mental breakdown, but my whole perception of my life and what I wanted came into such sharp focus that I wasn't willing to accept where I was anymore. Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to accept certain aspects of my relationship. I wasn't willing to accept my um, deference of my gender. I wasn't willing to accept the fact that I wasn't fulfilled sexually. I wasn't willing to accept the fact that I wasn't happy in, in my life. And it all came into such 
sharp focus all at once and it just caused everything to break and I couldn't deny any of it any longer so I was kind of just rushed headlong into dealing with all of it all at once if that makes sense <laughs> yeah no it, it does build up I mean realistically speaking that's that's something that I think a lot of people deal with in, in so many different walks of life um, within themselves is is that the more that you try and, I don't want to say bury, because it's not, I suppose some of it's buried because we choose to bury it and some of it's buried because we don't know how to deal with it at the time. But the mm -hmm. more that we, we hide stuff away or, or try to... Um, just become accustomed to something or like the more it builds up inside us and we builds and builds and builds and then eventually it's just like like you say it's, it's that break it's that straw that broke the camel's back um that is just like right i can't keep going on like this like this isn't me this isn't the person that i want to be this isn't the person that i ever thought i was and and i just need to <laughs> i need to be myself um yeah yeah i i yeah i know that feeling all too well <laughs> all too well yeah like just in in so many other different aspects it's just like do you know what this isn't the the person that i ever wanted to be this isn't the the dynamic and the life that i found for myself and fortunately i'm, I'm very happy and i love the the dynamics that like i i'm all about pushing until you find something that works for you um but you have to keep pushing until until you yeah. find that point you the acceptance doesn't work it just builds up and builds up and then eventually you're just like oh for fuck's sake and and like you say it, it that crack happens and and it all all the floodgates open and it all just piles straight out and and does that yeah. like helped in regards to like where you are now I'm, I'm imagining going from where you were when you identified as as a queer woman to where you are now there'll have been some massive changes but also like some learnings and growth in that was Definitely. was that was that hard to to come accustomed to come um yeah to, to sort of acclimatize to yeah definitely so after kind of the the crack we'll say mm -hmm. um everything happened very quickly as i said when i realized i was non-binary mm -hmm. um and it culminated in me um, essentially breaking up with my partner, um, moving out, moving to a different country, and completely starting my life over in terms of friends. Um, of course, I still had, you know, my beautiful group of friends online. Um, but in terms of any connections that I had physically, I, I moved to a city where I knew no one, um, and started over again. And there was a lot of learning and growth to do there. Um, but sexually it was also the biggest liberation I has, have ever experienced in my entire life because not only was I taking advantage of what I wanted and going after what I felt like I needed in my life. But I was engaging in relationships where people saw me and accepted me and wanted me 
for who I am and didn't see me as a woman and didn't want me to be a woman. I had my first experience where I heard someone talk about me and they used they, them pronouns. And it was just like, it was the most surreal experience because <laughs> in the moment I was blindfolded and they were talking to someone else <laughs> and they were, and they were just talking and, um, just using my correct pronouns. And I got totally taken out of the, the sexual mindset for a moment, just to be like, holy shit, these people see me as me. And it was this euphoria that made everything so much better and has since truly because there's nothing like being with people who want you for you whether you're trans whether you're non-binary whether you're cis it's people who see you for who you are and are attracted to that and want to honor that and experience that it's just it's unlike anything i've ever felt there is, I have to say, as as a as a cisgendered man, um, there is a certain level of envy I have for for uh, trans individuals, non-binary individuals, um, people that that go through that difficult journey of of self-discovery. Because I've seen it happen quite a few times where somebody's finally found that moment where they're they're comfortable with themselves they feel themselves they feel like that like their body matches how, how they feel they should be that moment where they the people around them like you say is you're accepted for who you are and there is a level of like you say euphoria the joy ecstasy that that you feel in that moment that I I'm I'm jealous of as as a hedonist as somebody who thrives for for pleasure and joy and and happiness and and to have that to have that moment and and see it with other people and the first thing that goes through my head is how dare somebody try and take that away from you like that's the first thing but that's the that's the defensive part of me that's like leave my friends alone um, <laughs> but like there there's still like a part of me that's like I I am I'm jealous I'm envious because I'm I'm not gonna like I've either had it when I was too young and never remembered it um but I'm also so comfortable in myself that I'm never gonna have that the oh, and obviously this comes from struggle this comes from building towards something with with a, so much confusion and so much um trials and tribulations and and not understanding where you fit and trying so many different things and and it all building up and building up and building up and then having that that little moment where it's just just acceptance acceptance of you and yourself acceptance of other people just accepting you for yourself um and like having always been that like i'm 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 jealous of not gonna having experienced that but i'm also very aware of of how much privilege i have um, <laughs> on that matter because like it, the the level of ecstasy is definitely born from the struggle of discovery yeah, that's probably the well, best way I can put it. Wish I could bottle it and sell it. Oh, that would be you make a fortune, make a fortune <laughs> that way, Jesus. Um, and it's important to say it is important to say at this point that um, 
like and anybody that might be listening or watching it um on the YouTubes, like there is not everybody's gonna have the same a um life experiences as you, not everyone's gonna have the same journey as you, and um there'll be a lot of people that will I suppose there'll be a lot of people that are on their own journey themselves. Um and a lot of people who know people who are on a journey. Um and it's important to know that every journey is individual. Is there any like I don't know, advice you would give to people on their own journey and respectively people who are who know somebody who is on a journey of their own in regards to gender and what have you? I think well, one thing I would echo first specifically for people who think that they are non-binary or are struggling somewhere along that pipeline, I would echo the whole, you do not have to be androgynous enough to be non-binary or genderqueer or gender fluid or any gender outsider in between. You do not have to be anything enough simply identifying as what you believe you are is enough. You are enough. The general advice would be don't let anybody else tell you who you are. And don't let anybody tell you who you aren't. Which may sound very, <laughs> very surface level, but People can tell a lot through their actions. People who may not respect pronouns, who may refuse to engage in certain kinds of conversations with you are certain ways of telling you if you are or aren't valid. And don't listen to them because you are and everyone's on their own journey and yours is beautiful and you'll find your way. Just don't let anyone else get in the way of that. It'll all be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, then it's not the end. You know? Yeah. That's, that's what a beautiful... I love that one. Yeah, what a beautiful note to end on. Um, I really appreciate that. I really, really appreciate that. Um, Goldie, you're exquisite as a human being. I have always loved and, and appreciated you. And I'm really glad that we have the friendship that we do have. Uh, it means It means a hell of a lot. It means a hell of a lot. Um, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your experiences and sharing your um, your your life with us um, and your, your journey. Um, um, Goldie, do you want to give yourself a shout out? Oh, my. Oh, you. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> well, Valen, I just want to say I treasure you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's, it was absolutely you. my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. Um, well, I am Sir Goldie. I am a person on Twitch and other places. Um, you can find me on Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, all as Sir Goldie with an E instead of an I, S-E-R Goldie. And, um, yeah, hope to see you around. For those people that are uh, listening to the podcast and watching the YouTube, um, I will actually put you the all of the links of Sir Goldie in the descriptions. So if you would like to find more of uh, so all these stuff then by all means head down to the uh, the descriptions and and give them a click give them a click you know